0: To be
1: Hi folks, this is Jack Spearco with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is Wednesday, November the 18th, 2020. This is episode 2776 of the Survival Podcast, and it's called Getting the Frack Out of the City with Dennis Allen. Um, I've been advising people to get out of the cities since 2008. Kind of ramped it up this year because I believe that some of the door of opportunity, uh, especially from an economic stance, is closing. That it's going, to get, it's going to get more, not less expensive to make this decision from a standpoint of being able to actually do it. And logistically, it's going to get harder because I believe that you're going to see some, some drying up of the resource that is available properties to do it with. In return for this, getting on YouTube and pointing out things like, hey, you know, um, these cities are probably going to burn to the ground sooner or later, one way or another. Maybe you want to do this now. These cities are in complete terminal decline. Some of them have zero redemption. I've been called a surrender monkey, a fearmonger, a bunch of other things, generally by people who have not been listening to me for any real length of time. That's fine. I don't I have a pretty thick skin. It's just the level of misunderstanding is pretty high. So when I got these request to be on the air from city boy homesteader Dennis Allen, I was pretty excited because this is a guy who did this with at least some level of impetus from our community and from me to get out, get out, get out, but a couple of years ago. So he didn't run away from the city because, you know, Biden's going to win the election and, I don't know, send a blue helmets in, or because Trump was going to win and they'll burn the city around. By the way, that, could, that shit can still happen. I'm telling you right now, the way the orange man's fighting this, if he pulls a rabbit out of his hat, even if he doesn't end up flipping the election, if he ends up, like, flipping one state and they get afraid he's going to flip the election, you might see some of these big cities. I know they burned this summer. I'm talking burned to the ground. Like This kind of psychopathic behavior is still going on. But with all of it, what's really going on is what's the value of your property really worth in these places, especially when you factor in how much they tax you for the privilege of being there. What's the value of your business in San Francisco when a homeless person is literally allowed to take a shit on your stoop and you can't do anything about it, they will not arrest the homeless person for crapping at the entrance of your business. This is a real thing. This happens all the time. They will not arrest that homeless person. They won't do anything about it. But if you physically prevent them, they'll arrest you for assault. What is the value of a business like that? These cities are in a terminal decay, and they're becoming completely controlled Basically, work-release prison systems, and you might want to get out. Well, Dennis got out a while ago. He went to a place in rural Pennsylvania, bought himself 30 acres of raw land, drug an Airstream trailer on it, started building a new life. Since then, he's gotten, well, he's gotten busy. He's been doing a lot. What else has he done? In addition to all the stuff he's doing with permaculture and homesteading, He opened a cafe, a coffee cafe, still in business, doing well, better sales than any year so far in the middle of COVID shutdown. Um, He's doing online coffee blends, working with other coffee roasters. He's got an ice cream shop that's still running. He has a second-hand store. He even has a a music arena in 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 a quarry, and he's got a podcast, and he's got a YouTube channel, and he's doing all of this while building a new life, in a new place. Like I said, with tons of encouragement from the TSP community. Now, I'm just going to point out that a lot of the stuff I just said, I mean, you could do a podcast from anywhere, right? But a lot of stuff I just said, if he had stayed where he was, which was New York City, grew up came up in East Jersey, ended up making his making his way in New York City, he wouldn't do any of that shit. Do you want to go open up a coffee shop in New York City right now? Do you want to open a music venue, a cafe? You want to try to walk down the street and not be harassed unless you're part of a demonstration? Good luck with it. So I thought it would be great to bring somebody on and actually did it. And say this is what it looks like when you do it. This is the why behind it. It's not about running away. It's about building a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. And we will have Dennis on in just a moment to talk about that. Before we do, we got our quote of the day. And when I when I thought about this topic, There was one quote that kept coming back to my mind from uh, Thomas Jefferson. That quote is, A community of small farmers, land property owners, will be the only assurance that the freedom our republic offers will be guaranteed to each and every citizen. Jefferson wasn't really hip on town life or city life, even all the way back then when things were a lot better for the average person as far as freedom and liberty. He knew that having the strength of community, but the space of property ownership, and notice he says specifically, small farmers and land property owners, small holdings. Not everybody was going to have some giant plantation or something like that. That really didn't actually make sense. But having that little piece of land to call your own, to build your life on, and it would be the only assurance the freedom of our republic offers will be guaranteed to each and every citizen, including the ones that didn't do it. When you read this quote in its entirety, and you understand it, that includes the people that stay in the towns, that the small farmer, the small property holder, that entrepreneurial, opportunistic individual was a guarantee of liberty To all. And when I say, get out, get out, get out, I'm suggesting that you become one of those people. That doesn't necessarily mean being a farmer. But something happens, and you'll hear about all the opportunities that happen, when you separate yourself from these places that I believe are wholly unnatural. I don't believe that it is natural for a million people to occupy a single city, let alone two or three or six I don't think it makes any sense, especially in a a planet that we have that's so large with so much space for so many people. To use these high-density population centers, it only makes sense if the goal isn't that's what's best for humans and what's best for the planet. But that's what's best for people who want to control others. You want to control people? Put them in cities. You want to lose control of people? Allow them to escape into the countryside. And that's what I'm suggesting you consider doing. With that, let's go ahead and bring on our special guest, Dennis Allen. Hey, Dennis, man, welcome to the Survival Podcast. Thank you, Jack. Excited to be here today. Glad to have you on, man. Um, you've been part of this community a really long time. A lot of people in the community do know who you are. A lot of people don't. So let's start off with the who the heck and what the heck is the Dennis Allen question. You know, like, How, how did you get kind of where you are in life? What's, what's your kind of professional background type of thing?
0: Uh well it was a scattered background. I grew up in the uh the hood of Elizabeth, New Jersey. High school dropout. Made my way uh into the automotive wheel world through junkyards and chop shops of Newark, New Jersey. Uh I eventually found that I was going to be a father, so I, it really motivated me to change my life, uh stop the going into jails and getting arrested for fighting things like that. I got myself into the corporate world of Verizon Wireless, the major cell phone company. Um, I didn't have a high school diploma or college. They required college back then. They still do. But I got my, my foot in the door via the greeter method. So I was, I was the guy in front of a retail store saying, hey, welcome to Verizon. Which way would you like to go? Do you have a phone problem or a sales problem? Uh, with my ability to learn, because you know, the public school or, like you say, the government school failed me, I had to learn myself. You know, I didn't have any formal trading on the business world or anything, but I just pretty much absorbed what other people were doing in my industry and I kind of, you know, kicked butt doing it. You know, I, I became the celebrity cell phone guy in New York City, so any celebrities or famous people that needed a cell phone, they they'd call me up and none of that really made me happy, so I, I was looking for something else and I found people like you to, to to help me guide my journey along.
1: So, y- y- the way you phrase it in your uh, write up, where you applied to be on the show for this episode, you kind of mm-hmm. went from like a rags to semi riches. Uh, uh, how did that happen, and you know, why didn't it really make you happy?
0: Well, like I was saying, you know, growing up poor, you know, my family didn't have much. I remember times when my mother had to not eat so I could eat. Uh, she tried to provide what she could for me, but I didn't have any. Um, real guidance or anything, Um, I I worked hard. I I really buckled down. I remember, you know, when I was in my cell phone days, you know, working in Manhattan, my boss would have to yell at me to send me home, and, you know, I just wanted to keep making more, making more and getting bigger and more important, and it was working. I was hanging out with the, the top celebrities in New York City, and I knew all the CEOs of the cool companies or Sony people like that. And, you know, none of it really made me happy. You know, my my paychecks or the car that I drove or the house that I owned didn't provide any happiness whatsoever. So I pretty much just want to flush all that and find my true happiness. You know, making a lot of money for other people and even for yourself isn't my definition of happiness. I didn't really know what it was, but now I know it's not happiness.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know, you kind of get to a point where, like, you're like, oh, so I've made it. Yay! <laughs> this now is what? it, huh? This is yeah. <laughs> this is success. You know, for me, I was the VP of sales for same region you're talking about, northeastern region of the United States for $500 mm-hmm. dollar company, a $500 million company, big expense account, company car, good salary. Yay! Mm-hmm. And eventually <laughs> you're like, you know, this kind of sucks. Yeah. And, and exactly. I mean, some people end up loving it. They feel like, yeah, they really have made it and they enjoy it, and I guess that's good but for them. But I think for a lot of us, like, you spend your life chasing that. I think maybe the best thing about getting it is so you don't keep chasing it, right? Instead of being a <laughs> yeah. donkey yeah. with the carrot out in front of you, you actually mm-hmm. get the carrot. And you're like, yeah, carrots
0: aren't that great. Yeah. And and I always found that the, the carrot always had to get bigger. You know, every now yeah. and then I would grab that carrot, and then there's another carrot ahead of me. Oh, I only have a BMW. I should have, a, you know, something else or something more, more and more to keep feeding the system.
1: Yeah yeah I, I totally get that man. So what the hell made you start listening to a guy like me? You even came to one of my workshops and all how, how, did, how did you end up feeling an impetus to
0: to go there? Uh, in my, my travels, you know real estate was always a big thing on my, my radar. and my first place was a condo in Jersey City. I, Jersey City was nothing at the time. It was still poor and you know undervalued. And I, I saw the writings on the wall, so I, I started getting into real estate. I bought that condo, fixed it up as I lived in it. Uh, I was looking for another property. And I remember growing up in Elizabeth, my mother, uh, you know, when we got up a little bit better in life, you know, they finally bought a – they had a single-family house, and it had a little backyard. And I remember my mother and my stepfather gardening every summer and you know, sticking me out there and turning the, the soil and everything. And – my new house had to have a backyard so I started you know at this time in my career I wasn't really in Manhattan anymore uh, I was I took an early retirement position uh managing like 10 people in the tell sales, sales department and so it was really easy had a lot of time on the computer and I kind of bypassed corporate security so I could watch YouTube videos but I started googling um actually I should say googling looking up on Google uh, I don't want to give Google any credit things of of gardening, like how to garden, best way to garden, what do I do to build soil, things like that. And, and you know, being from the city and and really, you know, maybe being camping twice, three times in my life, I had no idea. So I was just going down the rabbit holes of best way to garden. And, you know, that took me to permaculture. So I started researching. I had an hour drive to work every day. So looking for a podcast and there's a survival podcast, and I was never into prepping or guns or anything like that. you know, being from the city, it's pretty much not existing um but you 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 talked a lot about fixing your life and getting to a better position, and you know the permaculture was the the way in. I just wanted to learn more, and I didn't come from a, a really educated uh educated background. So the way I learned, like how I did in corporate America, I just immersed myself in the people and the culture. And, you know, I was, you know, I kind of, kind of felt like a little out of place at first, not, you know, when I got to your, your workshop. Um, but I was like, you know, what are, are these people going to accept me? I'm, you know, tattooed up. I got, you know, in the different look from the normal uh redneck duck farmer out there, but you know your community was amazing, and this is why still to this day i I listen and I participate and i, I love your community it's been it's been amazing so pretty much through permaculture I found you
1: <laughs> all right so let's um let's move on from there and talk about how uh, you actually did this so people probably think because you were doing well financially, like you just like saved a bunch of money up and then became like a permaculture land baron or something, but <laughs> what you did is you ended up quitting your job, selling everything, you moved into an old Airstream, and dragged it on 30 acres of raw land in central PA. What was that like? (laughs) Uh,
0: That was scary. One of my biggest things in life was fear, and uh, I always let fear stop me. So this time I was just going to go balls to the wall and just just do it. I quit my job because I knew that even though I had this you know, early retirement position, still making a lot of money, doing nothing at work. Uh, it, it, it didn't make me happy. I had more money to take, you know, one or two vacations out of the year, but I still had 50 years of, uh, 50 weeks of just misery in in the corporate world. So I quit my job and I started looking for other ways to make money. And the biggest thing uh, in the beginning was to save money. So, you know, I'm living in Jersey City, lower Manhattan views and everything, and I would be the guy in my, you know, three blankets in the middle of the winter, seeing how low I could get my energy bill down. You know, I want to save and save. And so I kind of made it like a game ways to, um, I guess, put myself into a comfortable homeless position. You know, I did have the real estate, uh, which was always my, you know, retirement plan, but. I noticed that the Jersey City market had been so overinflated. I mean, the prices are crazy now in Jersey City. Um, starting to go now down now because of COVID, but at the time it was at a, such a height. Um, I decided to sell my condo and take that money, the, the profit from there, and buy some land out in the country somewhere. Started looking around uh, through Airbnb. I found a homestead in the kind of in the central Pennsylvania area. It wasn't really where I was looking. I was looking in other areas that don't have building codes, things like that. But I did find an amazing community. I found a homestead on Airbnb. I stayed there. And just from that experience, I started to get to know the community. um, And it was a piece of property that had been uh, cut off of of someone's farm just because it was so beautiful and and, uh, some people got married there that deal fell through. So I jumped right in. Um, I loved it so much. I came out here at first, just camping on the weekends to slowly build a new life. And before I knew it, I was selling my big house. And because the amount of money they wanted to give me, I was like, oh, what? <laughs> so I, I cashed out. And like I said, I, I bought an old Airstream. And here I am now just trying to build a, an off-grid homestead. And I'm pretty happy with the Airstream. So it's been about four years now and I haven't built a house yet, but I'm living like a king. I'm enjoying every single day of my life.
1: That's, that's awesome, man. It really is. Um, can you talk a little bit about maybe any regrets or mistakes on how you did it? Like that was a pretty aggressive plan, which you've done a little differently. Um,
0: so regret is one of those things that, what kind of pushed me into this new life you know i saw my grandfather die i saw other people in my family go through life make a million dollars and then just lose it all on, on getting sick or you die and you can't take it with you so regret was one thing that uh it actually kind of fueled me to to make this and i'm used to making mistakes i've been in jail before and i've you know, flunked every test, and I've you know messed up so many times. So I I look at um, all my mistakes as learning experiences. It's one of the ways that I learn. I told my my uh, sales reps in my old days that if you, it's only a mistake if you don't learn from. It. If it's a mistake, it's a learning experience. So would I have you know just bought roll land? I mean, I had to spend almost twelve thousand dollars on just building a road <laughs> to get <laughs> way to where I wanted to build a house. So. There are some obstacles, but overall, I think that that the regret is is not something I want to deal with. So every mistake that I make, I just move on. I look at, try to look at the positive of it, positive side of it, and I go on. I just take you know what life gives me and I make lemonade.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think that it's almost unless you have a specific like. I tried to build this thing, and I used this material, and it exploded. Like mm-hmm. It almost doesn't matter that you would do something differently. Of course you right. would do something differently. Every, and like you said, fear often gets in the way, and so many people are worried about, well, I'll make a mistake. Yeah, you will. Right. And <laughs> I'll tell you the, the secret is tomorrow you're going to make a couple of mistakes. Whether yes. you go for it in your life or you don't, whatever you do, you're going to screw some shit up. Like humans, that's what we do. We're fallible. We, we screw stuff up. If we didn't screw anything up, there'd be a lot less need of insurance in the world, right? So <laughs> yeah. so just like you, at some point, you got to get to that line. You got to jump and you got to take a shot
0: at it. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I am going slow on like the level one mistakes, you know, like you taught me yeah. and Jeff Walton, you know, you don't want to put the house in the wrong spot. You know, when I was looking for property, you know, I had a lot of checklists that I had to go through, like South Facing Hill. I mean, that was one of the hardest ones and this had it. So I've learned, you know, luckily um, prior to building a house, not to put a house on a north-facing hill. I have neighbors down the street that, you know, they have ice up until March. (laughs) And, you know, the first sunny day on my hill, I'm like, oh, this is nice. I have uh, sun and everything's melted. So try to avoid the level one mistakes, but, you know, work with the other ones and and learn from them. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: What advice would you give listeners who are still stuck in the city, like, Is it worth it to get out? Does your life actually improve? You know, Um, do you think it can help at least some people find happiness to separate themselves from this, what I consider to be a fairly unnatural way for people to live?
0: Uh, Yeah, Um, that's the biggest one of the biggest reasons why I'm I'm doing things like a YouTube channel and coming on podcasts like yours and just trying to spread the word because my whole life, all my friends are. most of them, actually, some of them are starting to move over, um, they're stuck in the city. And it's one, like a, a regret thing, a fear that I wake up in the middle of the night just thinking like, oh, shit, am I still in Jersey City? Do I have to go to work tomorrow? <laughs> so I would say get out there. You know, if you're in New York City, I'm three, four hours away from New York City, come out here, get to know farmers, get to to know the people in the areas that you'd like to retire to. You know, I was... Before actually picking Pennsylvania, um, I was thinking of either somewhere far or somewhere close because I still want to be near my daughter. I have a 21-year-old daughter still stuck in the city, unfortunately. Um, But I wanted to be somewhere close. You know, Pennsylvania, as you know, wasn't your you know isn't the most freedom uh, loving state out there. But hey, I will take it over New Jersey and New York any day. Um, So really try to figure out what state and what area is really going to fit your needs, you know, I still kind of have that, you know, New York City kid in, in me, but uh, I thought that I'd still be going out there, but especially now with COVID, I don't even want to go there. It's, it's, it's like an apocalyptic movie or something. It's really weird and depressing, people with masks on everywhere, and, you know, nobody looks at each other. It's, it's a really sad life now, and you know, I'm sure people are going through depression and all kind of problems in the city, so... Really just get out there, visit where you would like to, you know, think of it as a retirement. I mean, I, I thought of it as, as, you know, I'm going to retire one day, might as well put myself in that position and work until I could get to that point. And, you know, there's a lot of farmers out there that, that are getting old and don't want to keep farming. My, the, the guy who bought the farm, my section of the farm from, he still has about 150 acres of organic beef and, uh, cheese cows. He would love, 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 especially from somebody from this community to come out here, learn his industry, maybe, you know, build a little house for him and and take over his farm. Because the biggest fear that farmers out here have is they're going to die. Their kids are going to sell the land. It's going to go to development. Luckily, we have Amish here. So that really doesn't have that much of an opportunity. But, you know, there's so much opportunity. Like I'm out here every day and I'm like, boy, you know what? If I didn't you know, have a way to support myself, I could just do this or I could do that. And there's a lot of people out there to help me uh, help you help the people in the city. And I'm willing to help people your your podcast helps thousands of people every year. So there are avenues just get out there. Don't be scared. I have campsites on my property, you know, come camping, spend a, a weekend with me, you know, I I have 30 acres. I could build you a little tiny home and you know have you live there until you learn and build something of your own. So don't let fear and regret stop you, you know. Get out of the city, maybe go to Florida if that's what you want or Puerto Rico. I'm still trying to get a little spot in Puerto Rico to to spend my winters, hopefully. We'll <laughs> <laughs> see.
1: Yeah, you know, I think the idea of putting a toe in the water is not a terrible mm-hmm. idea. Like completely altering your life is enough. You don't necessarily need to go straight into homesteading on your own or building a house or whatever. Like you started out. You did Airbnb for a while. You went out and lived the life and said, hey, is this really what I want to do?
0: Right. And and
1: what parts of it do I want to do and what parts of it that I don't want to do? Because I've seen so many people get into homesteading. They get a piece of land. Their house isn't even completed. They have chickens. (laughs) They have ducks. They have a cow. They have goats. Goats make your life miserable when you know what you're doing. You know, They have (laughs) rabbits. They have quail. And in about one year, they're like, screw this, and they're done. And I, I think for some people, getting that piece of land right away, that works. Some people, though, I think like taking this toe-in-the-water approach may be a great idea. And give that, uh, there's a lot of talk right now, the great reset. Resets in of themselves aren't bad. Like mental reset, to get that mental reset to figure out, like, what do you really want to do? Is this really what I want to do? And is this really how I want to do it? Or are there parts of this that really are going to work for me? And are there other parts of this that I need to stay the hell away from?
0: Exactly, yeah. I mean, my my goal for the first couple of years was just to come out here on the the weekend and slowly build it. But I got hooked on it like a junkie. And I (laughs) bought an Airstream and parked it, and I'll figure out the rest. (laughs) And there's,
1: there's something to be said for that, too. Because you put your life in a position where, hey, maybe I don't have everything I want, but what I have is mine. And, right. and and I don't have to worry about losing it. So if mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about losing what I have, all I have to to worry about is 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 getting more of what I want. That that's a really strong position to be in in life.
0: Yeah, it, it's 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 very empowering, very so, empowering. It's, so, that's freedom, you know, to have the ability to do what you want for the most part. <laughs> so so what are you
1: doing now? Like, what are your, your kind of the, the steps you've taken since all this happened, and and what have you established?
0: Um, well my goal was to come out here and you know, I, I have a couple of PDCs. I have one from Jeff Lawton, um, thanks for the discount from your your uh membership team there. I also took uh the permaethos one that you were um sponsoring for a while. And I my plan is to, you know, with the South Facing Hill cut out we- uh, swales and ponds and animals and you know, have a couple of tiny homes for people, kind of like a Paul Wheaton kind of place, maybe not as crazy and, yeah. and loosey-goosey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I would like it to be a place where people could learn and teach, like, you know, what you do, have a workshop every year or two and, you know, have people come in and, and spread the love, you know, spread the knowledge that, that I've accumulated through my journey because my journey is definitely different from anybody else's, so maybe... You know, I can't reach somebody as well as you can, but the same thing with you—you're not going to be able to reach the same people as I can. So, I want my my land to be open to public. Um, I have campsites on it now, which is just doing amazing. I didn't—this was that wasn't even part of my plan. Another thing, you know, be flexible. I ended up with a coffee shop. Who would have thought? I mean, I was never in the coffee business. I do, I do like drinking coffee. I was spending a lot of time in this, you know, community hub. And I ended up buying it. It not part of the plan, but you know the the cards fall where they they may. And you know what, homesteading isn't my you know number one. Actually, it still is my number one in so, uh, source of income. But you know, having the coffee shop is has been a great great addition to my homestead. I I really miss uh, be being able to just go inside of my porch, you know, pop open a beer or a bottle of wine and. Ten minutes later have ten neighbors around me. So it's hard to do that when you're surrounded by Amish farms and, yeah. and cows. <laughs> yeah. So I bought a cafe, I started an ice cream shop, you know, in the middle of this COVID thing. I was not gonna let um, COVID shut me down or stop me from doing anything. It's a great time, I think, to excel because other places are just terrified, you know. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, of opening you know we have a very popular you know nice brewery kind of next to my coffee shop and they're 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 shutting themselves down all the time they're going beyond what you know even our master governor says you know in a community of of 900 people we we have a big community of penn state people about 30 minutes away in bucknell on the other side but because those are the only two areas that even have police there's nobody to enforce this. You know, yeah. There's, what there's is with this? You know, like, People have been so, so controlled.
1: That mm-hmm. They're willing to follow a law that they disagree with where there's zero consequence to not following the law, right? Yeah. It's, it's nuts. It, I, it, and I, every time I bring this up, people claim that I'm uh, uh, supporting uh, blowing people up or something. You can point <laughs> out that somebody has a point even if some of the things they do are wrong. Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, in his manifesto, talked about this level of control that people would allow over themselves, specifically with technology, but it doesn't really matter where it comes from. And the example was that a person could sit at a red light with nobody in sight where you could see – not only can you see, but you'd see headlights, right? And you're sitting at a four-way in the middle of the night, 3 o'clock in the morning, and you could see a half-mile in all directions – and that person will sit there and they will wait mm-hmm. for that light to turn green before they go. <laughs> and and if yep. we allow that, and this is, you know, in the only in the 70s, 80s, he wrote this whole manifesto somewhere in that time frame, that if we allowed this to continue, we would become people completely controlled by technology. Now, hmm. I, I'm not for mailing people leather, letter bombs or nothing to, to make your point, right. but boy, that point seems to be so valid. in with what you just said, like... You, you won't open your your brewery when look if everybody's closed and you're open. Last time I checked, that was good for business.
0: Business has been great. I mean, yeah. literally, we are up four percent year over year. <laughs> it's
1: it's amazing what happens when you're the only game in town. You're successful,
0: um, and we we've been changing, you know, bending with things, you know, doing a lot of online ordering, and you know, move with the punches. That's what sure. you got to do in any business. Sure. What's next in your journey? Where are you going next with all this? Um, I'm working on you know, other things that to do with the, the coffee shop. Um, I have a, a coffee um, source. It's called Ingle Blend. And what it is, it's, I'm trying to source uh, local coffee from other local roasters in the area. Not in the area in the country. I'm trying to get Nicole Sauce to do a, maybe a hollow roast for us but we're trying to showcase local coffee shops have them blend their version of what their essence of the coffee shop is and then having one source so i'm trying to move on that um promote that more of like a online business writing a book you know i'm trying to share my story with everybody hopefully uh some people are readers i'm not really a big reader and uh, one of my customers in the coffee shop she's an author and she said, you know what? Just write it. Like, if nobody reads it, who cares? The nowadays with printing books and things like that and, you know, self-publishing is so easy. Eh, try it. It won't hurt. You know, like you said, it's always good to have it on your resume. <laughs> I'm a, a published book writer. Um, doing the Earthship, uh, uh, sorry, my, my goal for a house is an Earthship. So that's a little unconventional building. And so I'm I'm looking to have workshops at my place, bring in experts because I'm not an expert at building. I know my limitations. But if I bring in an expert, you know, or ship builder or something like that, you know, it'll, it'll increase my ability to build my home quicker, get more people involved in it, build a community. So things like that, writing a book, still got to build a house. I'm I just got running water the other day, so that's pretty exciting. I had a, a well dug on top of the hill and now I'm, you know, slowly digging out trenches and things like that. So my life is is literally an open book and I don't care which direction it it goes as long as it it finds my own happiness and I could feed myself and have an abundance of food and, and happiness on my property. That's that's where I want to go in life.
1: With all you're trying to do, is there any way that the uh, TSP community can be of help to you? Uh,
0: yeah, they have been extremely supportive. You know, like one of the reasons why I started my YouTube channel, Dennis Allen, Sweetie Boy Homes, etc., um, was because I would watch other videos in my corporate days and I would look at the, read the comments, and it's you know you have somebody building a house or building a deck or something, and you know, not, you know, they think they're doing it right, but the comments below, like, hey, I'm a builder, I'm an engineer, you could do it this way. I was like, wow, look at all the free resource. So, my videos and my YouTube channel are pretty much of just like, hey, City Boy Homesteader here, get it, it's in the title, I'm not sure what I'm doing, but, you know, this is what I'm trying to do, trying to, you know, gather information. So, people in your community have been great. Um, one guy, actually, from my videos, he came out, he was essentially uh, in Pennsylvania. He came out, helped me design a roof for my shipping container workshop. Uh, I have another customer here that found me through through your um, through your Facebook now MeWe blog. Uh, Triple D Homestead, Dan, awesome guy. He reached out to me. He's like, "Hey, I heard you ask a question on one of Jack's shows, and just want to introduce myself." I was like, "Wow, that's so cool!" And now he's you know he's somebody else that's following you know your guidance and your teachings. He's. Selling chickens, and he's already got a customer from from your podcast. You know, I'm selling his, his locally raised, organic, happy chickens in my my coffee shop now.
1: You know, that's a great point, too, about getting advice from doing YouTube videos that, that can actually be very beneficial. For every moron that has to tell you you're stupid and now you're going to die because you bought the wrong water filter or whatever,
0: right. um, there's a helpful
1: person, right? Here's an example of me. I mean, I know a lot about a lot of shit. But there's still plenty. Like, you can only know so much about so many things. So I don't know a lot about roofing. I really don't. I mean, I know you got a roof, and then hopefully it doesn't fall on your head, and you don't want water to come in. I had no idea that there was, like, a cutoff on pitch as far as how much pitch Mm -hmm. there is on the roof for where you go from shingles to rolled roofing. And I'm from where you're at now. I'm not from Texas. I'm from Pennsylvania. Well, in Pennsylvania, you don't build a fucking flat roof. No. Because then it fills up with snow and it collapses. So this mm-hmm. this has never come up in any of the like DIY projects I did with my dad or anything. It was always enough pitch to use shingles. So I put this outdoor kitchen in a couple of years ago, and the contractor threw shingles up on the roof. And I don't remember who, but somebody watching YouTube videos says, "Oh no no no! Tell them to pull that shit off there right now," <laughs> I can't see for sure, but I don't think there's any way there's enough pitch on that roof. That you should be using shingles. You need rolled roofing on that. Basically, it needs to be like a pond liner roof, you know, cover. Mm -hmm. So I go to the lead contractor, and he acts like he doesn't know what the hell I'm talking about. And so I look up the the specs and all, and they ended up eating it. They pulled all the shingles off, and they replaced it with rolled roof.
0: Nice.
1: I would have never known
0: until it started leaking.
1: (laughs) Until it started, there was a problem, and you know, contractors. We found a good one now, but this particular one did a great job, but they also immediately disappeared like we contacted them not to bitch but to give them more work and they 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 were gone. Wow. So even in the best circumstances you can not have people. You want think like when you sign off and you write the final check, you want it done. You do not want to have to get that person back. Nice when you can right. if you need to, but you don't want to rely on it. Mm-hmm. But the only option I would have had once I figured this out sooner or later would have been to call another roofing company, come in and have them tear the roof off and replace it and pay for it twice. So one yeah. comment on YouTube saved me a couple grand.
0: Yeah, yep. Yeah. Even if it's wrong, you don't know that you have to even explore that option. And, yeah. And look what happens.
1: Yep. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of you know, if you're doing stuff like this. You're an idiot. Oh, yeah. You don't know it. And I've, well, I won't say the comment that I uh, post to these people now, but it has something to do with uh, – pleasuring yourself to a certain type of uh, online entertainment. (laughs) And and thank you for taking your time off of doing that to make that valuable comment. Because I
0: just I can't deal with these people no more. (laughs) So sad. (laughs) Your community has been great. I mean, you have great listeners, you know. And they're very helpful. So, so helpful. It's amazing. I'm so glad I – got involved with you guys
1: is there is there anything though that like you like people listening today to that say that, that they want to maybe give you some assistance could be doing for you
0: um engelblend.com you know buy coffee if you have any other you know uh roasters that you know of, hook me up with them i'm trying to build this website out uh dennis allen.com you know you could sign up for my emails i'm i'm the book i'm writing is pretty much my my story you know growing up in the hood and you know dealing with like mafia, just like so many crazy things I've done in my life. Um, I'm going to be pretty much just putting it all out there on the YouTube for free, on my blog for free. I mean, you won't be able to get the whole book for free, but every word in there will be in there. So if you don't have the money, you could still follow the story. Um, but yeah, I, you know, maybe I'll come back one day when the book's done. I have a couple chapters done now and it's been really exciting. It's really, it's, it's so much fun writing the book. Because I'm reliving my life, you know. Maybe every now and then I'll tell my daughter a story, but sitting down and just writing down every single thing in my life, it, it's 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 so beautiful. It's it's uh, it's a lot of fun. I would suggest everybody do it, even if you're not going to publish it.
1: I think that's great advice. Um, I have a book will eventually be coming out, fully written, uh, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of it is autobiographical, woven into the concept of laws of life, and I found it very therapeutic, I also found a lot of moments where I was like, hey, I forgot I knew that, right? Like, yeah. like you realize what you know and then you could actually use it because it's like it's stored in a computer somewhere and there's some long file system to get there. And until mm-hmm. something comes up that requires it, you don't know that it's there. And that's fine when it's obvious that you need something. Then like you access, C drive, you know, drill down, <laughs> fine. But like sometimes recovering that you're like, oh, yeah, and then actually – causes you to have new ideas of what you can do. So you're not calling on that deep memory on
0: demand. You're using that right. deep memory to create something new. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. It's really great. It's very helpful too. You know, I, I'm learning of, of mistakes I've made in the past. So I was like, oh, shoot, I don't want to do that one again. <laughs> How many uh, episodes of your podcast have you done now? Uh, my podcast, I have – so my podcast is kind of turning into uh, – it's called The Cup of Joe with Joe. It's a local podcast of what's going on in the valley, so now you stay named it twice Penns Valley, Penns Valley, Pennsylvania. Um, so I'm doing them every week. you know it's it's not maybe for your listeners because it's pretty much what's going on in Pennsylvania. It's kind of fun because you know the crazy stuff going on in a small community. Um, my YouTube videos, uh, I had a YouTube account since like 2004, I think, and just just until I recently bought the Homestead. I've been posting a lot a lot of videos. So I you know, not I, I'm not doing it to really make a living out of it, but it is nice when YouTube sends me a check for five hundred bucks every now and then. Yeah, so I'll definitely take that.
1: Yeah. So um But
0: I am doing a lot of those videos.
1: You also kinda of set up a music arena. Has has COVID put the K on that?
0: Yeah, yeah. We had uh Quarry Fest, uh we had four of them already the first one wasn't really a music festival but i mean four successful music festivals you know the the land i had purchased it had an old uh, banded rock quarry on it about an acre two acres inside maybe an acre and a half in size full of trash we used the trash to build the road and with the big hole in the ground we put a stage up there and said hey you know let's try this so so far we've had a bunch of music festivals and it's all been for charity where we run, we, um, there's a bunch of great organizations in town that, you know, focus on small community charities. We're not donating to Red Cross or anything like sure. that. You know, we want to make sure we know where the money's going to and how to see it was helicopter. Um, but the, it has, uh, this year we didn't do it. I think mainly because there's so many other things I'm doing on my plate right now. Uh, but we are going to definitely do more it's it's really fun it's a great space the acoustics are amazing and i could even see that turn into something more um once people are are you know willing to go out you know, movies we're probably going to be doing a movie pretty soon in the quarry you know setting up a stage This way people could still socially distance if they want if they don't want well, we'll keep partying like we always do. <laughs>
1: well, I mean, and it, like it's an outside venue too, so that should that should help. I, I kind of right. feel like we have to end this ourselves. Like, yes. as bad as the PA governor is, there's worse governors with this. PA
0: mm-hmm. governor
1: is pretty bad, but yeah. you know, like Whitmer and Inslee and all these people are going and uh, Newsom, they're going like full Nazi on this right now. This it's late so in the scary. game. And I I just think there has to be a point where we as a society say, you know what? No. No. Wear your mask. No. Close Mm -hmm. your business. No. Right. Make me. And I think when it's one person, it's really easy. Like, it's one person. It's really easy to target that person, and it's been done. I think if the the majority of small business owners who believe – like, I don't even care about the ones that don't believe. That believe Mm -hmm. they have a right to open – the majority of that group alone tomorrow just said, "You know what? We're done. We're open. We're open for business. Come on in. We're not doing any of this nonsense. If you're sick, please stay home. Otherwise, we're open for business." I don't yeah. think they could do the square root of f all about it.
0: I, especially in my community. I mean, like I said, we don't even have police. I mean, they're not going to send a state trooper down for something like that to, you know, yeah. Do something. If they do, like I that. mean,
1: really, like what it makes me think of. I know Pennsylvania. I know rural Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And we used to have this big thing every year called the Blackwood Buggy Festival. And it was like <laughs> it started out years and years before I was even around. And it was just this like, you know, four wheeling off road thing that was totally informal. And it was just this weekend. It's like, you know, Friday through Monday type weekend and in the middle of summer. Mm-hmm. This thing happens. And I mean, there was underage kids drinking. It, I'm not advocating that this was a good thing, but it, it was what it was. And there was yeah. plenty of, you know, illicit activity going on. This was like four-wheeling redneck Pennsylvania version <laughs> of Woodstock without the concert, <laughs> right? And I remember one time we're sitting and we see a state cop comes, you know, it's very slowly rolling in with his, his patrol car because he did not want to rip his undercarriage out. He kind of gets <laughs> to the point where you can see what's going on, does a three-point turn and leaves.
0: That's great. Because what are you going to do? <laughs>
1: Right yeah. there's there's forty thousand people there, you're one cop, like mm-hmm. I, I could I could hear him say it in my mind now going I don't get paid enough for this shit because somebody yeah. probably somewhere some Karen we didn't call him back Karens back then but some Karen mm-hmm. probably called he probably went out there what am I supposed to do yeah what yeah. am I gonna do what am I gonna start walking around and asking for IDs mm-hmm. like and, and that was actually like something actually going on that you could make a case maybe shouldn't have been and, and at least some of it I can say. You know, right. a guy opening an ice cream shop, or a music venue, or a barber shop, or a pub. Like, isn't there a point where the average cop—not all the cops—like, if you're like, this is why we're on today about get out, right? We're not talking yeah. about Minneapolis. We're not talking about Chicago. We're, we're not talking about Seattle. You get outside of these places, I think the average cop is just as disgusted with this as we are.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They're people too.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 They don't. have bigger,
0: to, you know, bigger fish to fry when people are saying defund the police and things like that. I mean, I've been very left-leaning my whole life, but it's crazy where the left is. I mean, they want to defund the police and then call the police on you. It's just like it, none of it makes any sense. And, <laughs> and like, you no, know, I think it's just – That is ironic, control. isn't it? As soon as they get their ass beat
1: or something, they start screaming for the cops. <laughs> call the police. Just yeah. don't pay them. <laughs> My favorite one is when they start screaming, "Medic, medic!" like they're in a war movie or something. You know, it's I like, saw I saw one like that. <laughs> what are you doing? Where, what, what do you think? They're just like they're, kick a table, and there's a medic's gonna crawl out and come. I mean, did you did you set up medics? No. Oh, Guess yeah. what? You don't have any. Yeah. Like it's, it's 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 amazing to me, but I think that we are starting to see a major bifurcation in this country, and everybody wants to call it like a north and south divide or whatever. I think it's a rural or urban divide.
0: I could see that. I could definitely see that.
1: Because I think you can go to Maine, and I can show you this divide inside of Maine. There's not many places in America more north than Maine, at least in the continental U.S. And I can show you this in SoCal. I can show you mm-hmm. this in Florida. I can show you. People think, well, Texas, right? Texas, you do it right. We got a lot of stupid people here. You know where <laughs> they live? I tell you where they live. They live in Dallas. They live in Austin. They live in Houston. They live in San Antonio. And, and to a lesser degree, they live in Fort Worth. Yeah. You know, and it's the further you get away from those places. They're not gone. Their concentration goes down, right? Like common sense goes up and stupidity goes down. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: the impetus I've been giving people lately, get out, get out, get out, right, is I think that what you did is actually not that hard to do. Now, you may differ because you had to just go through the challenges. But in the end, you just did it, right? I think the difficulty level and the cost to do this is going to go up. And I also think because of that, people like you are like, i got 30 acres. I would kind of like to have people to hang out with. I'm mm-hmm. open to putting in like a little tiny house community or something. Hell, I'm thinking about doing it on three.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Our position is only going to get stronger.
0: Absolutely. Because as
1: people seek exodus, right,
0: mm-hmm. well,
1: the cost of exodus is going to go up exponentially. And so you end up in control of a fairly valuable commodity, a place mm-hmm. to hell away from all this insanity.
0: Yeah. And I'm already seeing that. I mean, my my I've had I've offered my campsites from day one. Yeah, yeah There's was a couple of people every now and then. You know, we're near a big sports camp, but now it's like every single weekend. Even now it's freezing, people are coming out. I'm from Pittsburgh. I just got to get out of there. Yeah, you know, I just yeah. want to be in the woods by myself.
1: <laughs> Th- this year for our workshop, we sold out in minutes. Not tens of minutes, singles of minutes. (laughs) And then I was going through and going, okay, this is a couple, they're together, this guy's not bringing a car, I can add something. I'd add five or ten and evaluate it Mm -hmm. again. As quick as I could Mm -hmm. add them, they were selling out. I was getting angry emails and stuff. I ended up with 48 people on a wait list Wow! within one hour of going on sale. Now, it sold out, you know, 30 minutes, 25 minutes before in the past, but this was insane, and I think it's exactly what you said. People were like, I got to get the hell out of this. I got to yep. go some, and I had so many people say, I am so grateful that I got to be around these people. Like, people will always feel that way, but this year, people are craving that. Now, the entrepreneur in us should be mm-hmm. saying, how, how, how do I tie into this? Because there's all this COVID shit, even like when Fort Worth, Tarrant County was doing it, I'm... Technically, in Tarrant County, it, 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 it didn't really apply here. Right. Like, I called the local sheriff deputy that I have a contact with. Always be in good contact with your local law enforcement, no matter how you feel about the state. It's yep. just common sense. And mm-hmm. I said, I'm fixing to have 80 people here. He said, Well, good. <laughs> have fun. You know, I'm uh-huh. like, What well, are you guys going to do with it? He said, We might come by and visit if somebody bitches, but we're not going to do anything. Yeah. Now, I guarantee you, if I did what I just did in downtown Fort Worth, they would have <laughs> come and shut us down.
0: Absolutely. So the
1: strategic yep. location, say like we or street, I should say strategic relocation is what we're talking about. For years, yeah. strategic relocation was preached by people about getting out of this country, go mm-hmm. to this foreign country and live the nomad lifestyle like Tim Ferriss or whatever. And I've always said of that, I, I I I don't feel comfortable with that. I'm not a blind patriot or anything, but man, I've been to some places elsewhere in the world, mm-hmm. and there is some advantages. Financially, to this, I mean, I could put 65 grand a year in my pocket by moving to Costa Rica tomorrow. But a lot of these in taxes, I could put $65,000 back into my income stream by mm. living in Costa Rica tomorrow. Yeah. However, you want lockdowns? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like the lockdowns in a lot of these countries people fled to. Far exceed what we're doing in the United States. Like if you went to Sweden, which who the hell went to Sweden for financial reasons with their tax rate? Like that <laughs> was like all of a sudden like, hey, you're a genius because you went to Sweden. Like that's about the only place where you really kind of got around this. Even Belarus that hold out, held out for a while, they eventually crumbled to the uh, World Economic Forum and uh, Monetary Fund, the IMF,
0: who said, yeah, we'll
1: dude. give you money, but you've got to reverse all this. And so now they have like Nazi lockdowns. Same Our thing country to us. Yeah, and our country, though, we still have ways out of this. Mm -hmm. You know, even, like, I guarantee you, Inslee can talk all the shit he wants in Washington. You Mm -hmm. get outside of Seattle and what have you, the the lockdown applies, but people ain't doing it. Right. And that's something Mm -hmm. we have with freedom of movement in this country, if we keep it, that's really Mm -hmm. advantageous. As entrepreneurs, though, we should be thinking, like, well, if they're going to keep doing shit like this, how do we position ourselves so that we are a solution to people that don't want to go along with it?
0: Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I will give you one piece of advice on the whole tiny houses and all. If yes. you ever do that and you take on tenants, you need mm-hmm. to run it through like an Airbnb or a hip camp or something.
0: Oh, absolutely, yeah. Because uh, Brian
1: <laughs> Norton was on and he converted his garage into – he's the other coffee roaster they got in Washington. He's probably worth you tying in with. Anyway, he uh, he said that – he was renting this garage apartment to a guy who didn't pay his rent. Started having some problems with him. It took him ninety days to get him out. Yeah. And he called a cop came and said he's a tenant. You got to go through court system, whatever. He said if he was here on Airbnb, yep. I would have grabbed him by the neck and threw him into the street. <laughs> and so I, you know, I don't want people grabbed by the neck and thrown into the street. But if somebody needs mm-hmm. it, I want to be right. able to do it. And so yeah. For a lot of people listening to this, I never really understood the extreme value of of that type of arrangement, but I do now because you're not a tenant. You're a, you're a resident yeah. at a hotel, basically, and tr- you can get thrown out of a hotel real fast.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's very easy. I, I had an Airbnb guest in Jersey City that was getting a little out of control, and, I mean, luckily he was there for like a month paying, yeah. but I just literally screwed the door shut. I'm like, <laughs> you don't hit like he called the police yeah and like he doesn't live here and I just kind of ignored the the whole complaint and yeah I was like oh, finally you, don't you know, live here you to get our stuff out and leave <laughs> that's, Have awesome. Say, buddy. that's awesome <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome well hey, I man. am using uh, services like hip camp um, Hip camp is the biggest one I was using another company that wasn't that great but hip camp is it's I tell people it's the Airbnb of camping so my thing is you know I don't want residencies even. If I just do, like, little cabins so they're not official residencies, I could, you know, put up, I think, 12 of them before I need septic system and things like that. So as long as there's little campsites, you know, glamping, you know, with a bed and, you know, other things like that, yeah. it's it makes it uh, a lot easier to get by all the restrictions and per- <clears throat> permits and things like that.
1: Final question for you, then, as you look at all this. On a scale of 1 to 10, how satisfied are are you with your decision to get out of the city?
0: Uh, one of my—I just recently posted a video of me crying um, in joy because I was working in my my little workshop there, and I don't know—I was just thinking about my old life, and you know, I could have had to go back to work Monday or an appointment or a meeting or sales call or. Something like that. And I literally just started crying because I was so happy, Jack. I mean, my life, my my happiness is through the roof. I don't even want to give a one to ten. It's it's like a new life. It's freeing to not have to go into a job. And it's it's so easy to 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 make some money. If you're not buying you know, $200 jeans or this or even, you know, junk that you don't need, junk food or, you know, everybody could re- reduce their life. I mean, I was making good money and I made it a game to spend nothing. So I lived like a pauper, that which kind of gave me the confidence to quit my job because, you know what, I'm doing it now and I'm happy. I'm happier because I don't have to worry about all these bills. And then so I slowly transitioned and and the happiness is it's really through the roof, It's and and I thank you and your community from the bottom of my heart, Jack. Seriously, you've been such a great inspiration to, to making this all happy uh, happen.
1: You know, I think maybe everybody should go through something like that in their life to where they, they get down to a point where they don't really have very much and they do okay because it takes away all fear.
0: I, I have it written on my, my arm in a tattoo. You have to lose to know how to win. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember sleeping in my car.
1: I remember... You know, I remember the first time I really kind of went on, like, a wilderness survival course where you, you mm. lived in the woods for a week. Mm. After that, you're like, well, not exactly how I want to live, but... But you can do it. I can do it. So, like, <laughs> right? take everything from me, yeah. and I'm still okay.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and I, I it's very hard to be afraid when mm-hmm. you think that way. It's very hard to be afraid because you're very like, well, I'm fair. not going to lose everything, so I'll have very. something, so I'll have... More than that, so I was okay then, I'll be okay now. And I think maybe everybody should go through that, and Mm -hmm. a lot of people do, and they forget. So if you have been through something like that, and you find yourself clinging with attachment, like Mm -hmm. mentally go back to that point. And yeah, maybe you don't want to go physically back to that point where you're that far down, but you know what? The fact that you did should take away, like, you'll be better at it this time. Like, if you do something once, you should be better the second time around. Unless yeah. you're, you're my wife giving me a haircut, then apparently it gets worse every time.
0: But <laughs> otherwise,
1: generally, we get better the more often we do things. So,
0: yeah. B- b- even with. Sorry? Go ahead. Even with cutting hair, you know, I've been cutting my hair for. <laughs> even when I was in corporate, you know, wearing $2,000 suits, I just thought it was ridiculous to pay $50 a, a month on cutting hair. So I cut my own hair now and, you know, just save <laughs> even more money. Awesome, man. Well, I'll make sure. That
1: links to your copy shop, your uh, your your ice cream shop, your secondhand store, your uh, YouTube channel, your podcast, everything. <laughs> I'll make sure all of that is in the show notes. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you spending some time with us today.
0: Really appreciate it again, Jack. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. You you guys are great over there. And tell Doria the I said hi.
1: All right, great interview. I really recommend that you check out all of the stuff that Dennis has been up to, and uh, all of it is in the show notes. As we wrap things up today, let me remind you that you can help support our show by doing your online shopping at tspaz.com. That's T-S-P-A-Z.com. You go there, and no matter what you buy, you will help support the Survival Podcast. Just start there. That's all you got to do. Today's item of the day that you can find on Amazon is the four-shelf indoor mini-greenhouse. Um one thing I want to point out about this thing is that this this particular greenhouse is sold by a whole bunch of different people. They're probably all made in the same Chinese shop shop. They sell for around twenty nine to thirty five dollars is a fair price. I think I found it for thirty four bucks and change today, free shipping. Doesn't matter who you get it from. But different sellers go through different inventory cycles, and some people will be selling for 50 bucks, while some people are selling it for $34, $35. So I, whenever I run this item, I just find, hey, this is it. This is the best deal on it right now. Here's where you can get it. I also have a link where it just looks it up for you, runs the search for you on Amazon. As long as it looks like the one in the picture, they're all the same. Trust me, thousands of them have been bought through T-SPAS. They're all the same. So buy the one that's the best deal at the time. The other side of that, though, is... It's getting to be harder and harder to come by these little things like this. You know why? Because everybody's getting into homesteading and growing your own food and everything, and I do think shortages are coming back this spring. I put the odds at 50-50, and I think I'm being overly optimistic when I say that. So this week I'm, I'm, I'm bringing you all items that are not real expensive, that you can get your hands on, that I think are likely... To be in short supply or elevated price or long delivery this spring when everybody decides, oh, I'm going to have a garden. I need to start plants. And that's what I think the the best use of this product is, is for seed starting or small-scale indoor hydroponics. I've used it for both. It works fantastic. Yes, it makes a difference to have that little greenhouse cover. I actually usually run mine with the door open. Um, but the wrap around it, and I have gotten much better growth rates that way out of my plants than with it all off. It's inexpensive, and it just works. You can use it for hydro. You can use it for starting in soil. You can use it for anything, and it's about 30 something dollars And you can get it. So I suggest that if you're going to do seed starting for your gardening going into next year, that whatever it is you need, lights, pots, Potting soil if you're going to do that. Rapid rooter plugs if you're going to do it with hydroponics, etc. Whatever it is, get it now. I'm not shrieking and screaming and, oh my God, it won't be there. I'm just saying what's most likely to be the case is some of it will be hard to come by. And if you don't have that piece, then it doesn't matter that you can get all the other stuff. And we don't know what's going to be hard to come by. So I really recommend getting your seed starting and your indoor hydro stuff going now. Before you need to, and we have a holiday weekend coming up pretty soon with thanksgiving we're going to go into kind of coast mode, a lot of opportunity to get things done. This would be a good time to get the things you need, even if you 're not going to do it till let's say after Christmas or during Christmas break or something. Get this stuff, have it ready to go, start thinking about it, go through it in your mind, figure out everything that you need, make sure you have it, and then when you get that downtime, you know when when one spouse is putting away the Christmas lights, the other one could be putting up. The hydroponics lights I'm just saying With that uh, Let's go ahead And wrap things up With our song of the day So our song of the day Today is by One of my favorite groups It's uh, Five for Fighting And I'm generally not big On the whole Really high kind of Pitch falsetto Dude voice But I've always loved Five for Fighting's music It just works I mean, it, Even with that, that I think a lot of people Really like it and To me it's kind of like It works in spite of it You know It's just Amazing sound They're Very distinctive And uh, this song is called The Riddle. And once again, uh, by happenstance, it fits really well with today's uh, topic. This song is really, in the words of the author of it, a love song from a father to a son about all the things that are great in life and can be great in life and to, to really live life with zeal. Some people seem to think that this song, when it says there's a reason for the world, you and I, is a very human-centric, almost arrogant view that all this was made for us as humans, as though we're more important than anything else in the universe. And I, I don't think that it is. The world is our world that we create. And that world is for you and I because we created it. I've said this many times, but there's not one world if there's 9 billion people, there's 9 million worlds. We all perceive the world differently. Even people that are very similar to us perceive the world differently. And we all create our own life in our own way. That's what Dennis did. Dennis decided he didn't like the world that he was creating. So he just decided, I'll go create a new one. When I tell you to get out of the cities, when I tell you to reevaluate your life... I hope you understand if you're genuinely happy where you are, then that doesn't apply to you. I think the people that get mad at me or are the ones that aren't happy where they are. They don't want to be there. They do want to be somewhere else, and they don't like it when someone starts picking away and shows their reasons are actually an excuse. That's why they get so mad. That's why they start calling you names when you said, Hey, get out of the cities. Right? Not hey screw you, I like it here. But oh you're such an idiot, you know, whatever. Hey, that's because they don't realize the truth in this simple song. There is a reason for the world that you're in. I'm going to add to it, that you're in. And it's you. You are creating your world. It doesn't mean you can wave your hand and make it all perfect. But if you're not happy with the way that it is, it's up to you to make it better. With that, it's been Jack Spearco with another edition of the Survival Podcast.
0: Come over me, come over me He said, some why gotta sing that tune Catch a Dylan song or some eclipse of the moon Let an angel swing and make you swoon Then you will see, you will see Then he said, here's a riddle for you Find the answer the reason for the world, you. Were...